You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou, back again with another live broadcast. And joining me is my esteemed guest and a Cypriot brother, Mr. Mike Stavrou. How you doing, mate? Esteemed guest. First time when we called that by you, Harry. Bloody hell, I must have done something. I'm I'm in a good mood. I'm in a good mood. You've got to take this when it comes along. I'll I'll take it, mate. No, I'm I'm good. Um, I'm still recovering from the Christmas period in terms of like all the drinking and eating. Got to get rid of this Christmas timber, man. So I've been uh, doing a bit more like a bit more running, a few more exercises here and there, more than like once a month, which was my usual sort of (laughs) routine. Um, but yeah, mate, I'm uh, I'm good. I just want to see some football, to be honest, because uh, all these cancellations, I've been like, you know, you sort of get yourself pumped up for a game and then next thing you know, it's been called off. So I actually want to see Arsenal play and I'm hoping we do on Thursday. Yeah, absolutely. Just quickly, before we actually talk about football and stuff that people want to hear about, are you a bit like me? New year, new me, going to hit the gym, going to do this, going to do that. But come February, the, the regime's already broken gone and yeah yeah you sort of get into that mindset where it's like all right i'm gonna start new now because apparently one day later means your whole mindset is different i don't really know why <laughs> but it's just i think it's, it's a lie we we tell ourselves but i'm hoping i'm gonna keep it up but let's be honest like i'm going to nando's tonight and you can either choose to get like the broccoli and the mash or you can choose the chip so we're gonna choose ultimately. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's like that choice, like the one, the, the devil, the angel on your shoulder. Which one are you gonna go with? If you go to Nando's and all the broccoli, I'll be massively disappointed in you. Well, that's what sure I mean, and like I'll be I'll be disappointed with with myself. But like I should really considering all the crap that I ate over Christmas. But let's see nah. what I'm gonna do. I'll, I'll, nah. I'll report back. I'll report back. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, Let's bring you guys up to speed with some of the latest news that has dropped uh, just before we hit that live button. So um, according to uh, Charles Watts, uh, Martin Odegaard is back in training, among others. And there is no doubt that the game, uh, at least at the moment anyway, between Arsenal and Liverpool in the second leg of that Carabao Cup semi-final schedule for Thursday, it's going ahead at this moment in time. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Arsenal are ready, apparently. Uh, So looking forward uh, to that one. That's according to Charles Watts. Some other news is that Sead Kalasinac is on the verge of joining Marseille. Now, it's been agreed that the Bosnian's contract will be terminated early, which will allow him to join Marseille as a free agent. And also we're hearing that Pablo Marie is uh, closing in on that move to Italy on loan, where he will join uh, Udinese, as is being reported. So, um, Now you're up to speed. Let's talk about the transfer window in general, because throughout this transfer window, Mike, there's been a lot of noise. We've been linked with Dusan Vlavic very, very heavily. We've been linked with Artur of Juventus. I think those two have been the two with which you could say the link have been the more prominent. Um, But as the days trickle by, I'm getting to the point now where I'm looking at it. 18th of January, 2022, obviously still a long way to go in the window, but 
are we at the point now where perhaps as a fan base we need to start coming to terms with the fact that this window might turn out to be a little bit more underwhelming or a little bit underwhelming in comparison to what we thought it might be? Yeah, because I think when you looked at the squad beforehand and you saw the 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 many issues that were in it, you sort of thought that we had to do something. And by the way, that Arteta was talking towards the beginning of the window and in late December, you were like, all right, well, it's inevitable. We're going to you know, bring in a midfielder at least and really, really go hard for a striker. Um, not sure if that's been happening behind the scenes, but what's what's true and what we know at this time that no deals have been done. It doesn't sound like any deals are close to being done. Um, and I think it sort of says a lot um, as a journalist myself, like just sort of looking around at all the rumours and stuff like you can sort of tell when deals look like they might be coming closer because the the sort of bigger outlets and uh, sources that have like links at the club, like your David Ornsteins and, and, and Charles Watson, people like that, they sort of give you a bit more and the talks tend to be a bit more advanced and, you know, there's the, um, direct contact or this haggling over a fee. But when you're sort of hearing from stuff from, from Italy, which is where a lot of the reports have been coming from, I think on, on, on Vlavic in particular and, uh, and, and Artur as well, it's sort of like, is it agent talk? Is it the, the agents of those players talking to, talking to the media and trying to push for a deal for, for their players? You have to sort of question that. Um, and obviously, those links would be bigger in in the countries of the selling clubs in Italy. So I think until we hear sort of a bit more concrete info from journalists in the UK, I'm not sure those deals are going to be sort of pushed through. Um, is it disappointing? I would say yes, but I think I'm sort of realistic about how difficult the January market can be to, to navigate. Um, but I'm just worried that without a few additions that, this top four push could really be hindered. Um, and I know me and you spoke about at the beginning of the season what our ambitions were. They definitely weren't top four, but I think sometimes when you're presented with an opportunity, you have to take it, especially given nobody thought that United were going to be this bad, I think, at the beginning of the season. They thought they'd be up there. Um, West Ham, you know, have been a bit inconsistent. I think the the sort of opportunity is there. So I'm disappointed, but there's still a little bit of time. Am I expecting something massive, massive to happen in the next two weeks? I'm not sure. Yeah, that's where I'm at as well. Um, you know, I, I, I have always been of the mindset that, you know, I understand that the January window normally explodes into life in the latter stages because teams don't want to meet demands. Other teams don't want to let players go. And ultimately what you get is this kind of standoff period, which it feels like we're in now with a number of targets and then when you get toward the end of the window, people go, well, actually, I quite need to get this. You know, I'd, I'd quite like to get this deal done. I need to do it. So I'm going to meet your demands. But nobody wants to kind of back down too early. And I think this is a classic example of how the January window can go. But having said that, does it make me feel like we're close to or even definitely going to get somebody like Dusan Vlavic in through the door now? No. Um, and, and I feel the same about Artur. You know, as I mentioned on the stream earlier today, there's a lot of noise coming out of Italy suggesting that Juve are looking for um, a replacement prior to allowing him to leave. I'm not sure that's the case. My kind of personal opinion on it is that when you look at Juve's squad, they're pretty well stocked in that area. I think what you... Yeah, that's what I thought. The, the, yeah, exactly. I think what the situation actually is, is around the buyout clause, uh, the 
obligation to buy clause. I think that Juve want that included. And I don't think right now Arsenal are willing to do that. And I think that's what the actual issue is and why these talks appear at least temporarily to have stalled. Um, just quickly in, in the comments, and we're going to do a question and answer section a little bit later on. So uh, bear with us. But Rade Kostadinovsky says, Harry, why have you started to be negative? You're talking about us exploiting COVID as we didn't do anything outside the rules. Now claiming we're doing bad in the transfer window. I, I, I said that I felt, and, and I've said it throughout December, that a lot of the games that were postponed could have been played. You could have put out a team, even if it means dipping into your under 23s, under 21s. A lot of teams could have did, done that. And the reason I wasn't, you know, I looked at the Arsenal situation and said it was different to Liverpool was because we genuinely had absences as opposed to fake positives or false positives, whatever people call them. But I do think we played the system a little bit. And I think we needed to because we were in such a dire strait. And I think anybody would do it in our position. So it wasn't meant as a criticism towards Arsenal. If I were manager, I'd have done the same thing. But the point is that the system is broken and it has been broken, I would say, since the start of December when all this all these postponements started creeping into the Premier League. And I'm not saying we're doing bad in the transfer window either. I'm simply saying that when you start a window with a lot of hype and people are talking about Vlavic and Artur, et cetera, et cetera, as both certain incomings, and then you get to this point in the window and that's not happened yet, mm. I think you have to start to adjust your mindset and understand that if it hasn't been possible up until now, there's a good chance it won't be possible between now and the 31st. Um, Mike, I mentioned that, uh, you know, we... We are about to let Ser Kolasinac go. We're about mm. to let Pablo Marie go. Do you find this strange, given that we're threadbare in terms of the squad right now? Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, I, I mentioned to you before, I was like, what are we sort of getting getting rid of them? And then we're going to be in a situation where we're not going to be able to post enough numbers to to, to have a game on, essentially. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a little bit, it's a little bit of an odd situation because ultimately you as a club have to put business first. And a lot of the time you're not going to like when they were loaning out um, Maitland-Niles and Balogun, they were looking at that from firstly a business perspective because these players had to get out to, in order to preserve their, their value. Maitland-Niles more than Balogun, you know, Maitland-Niles was sitting there not rotting away, but he he wasn't playing. He wasn't getting any opportunity to impress any potential suitors. And it felt to me like he wasn't a, a sort of long-term, you know, midfielder for us. So it was a situation where the club looked at it and said, all right, are we going to do something similar to, to Joe Willock, where he's sort of like in and out of the team, not really playing, but you have the opportunity to basically go and put him on show and say, look, this is a midfielder that we we you know believe is a good player and worth a lot more than he's showing right now then if he does play well that club might want to buy him so i think it's a smart move business wise um and i think it's a smart move to not have unhappy players in the camp because maitland niles has been one of them players that has been constant noise around his attitude and you know arteta's spoken about him being in and out of the team what what he's got to show on the training pitch blah 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 and him going out and playing regular football is obviously a benefit. So I don't think the club would have had like COVID in mind when when they did that. I think they're sort of putting their other, you know, priorities first, which I, I think is fair enough. And I think it's a, I personally, Harry, thought the reaction to the postponement of the North London derby was ridiculous. Like 
I think people used it as an opportunity to take a dig at Arsenal because we're Arsenal and, you know, we're, we're a big club, we're a big name. Um, people like to shit on us, essentially. Um, and they they took that opportunity and, and flew. I saw so many people taking the, the moral high ground on Twitter. And I know it's a, it's a different situation, but Burnley also got two games uh, postponed w- within that time because they didn't have enough numbers. I know we're obviously a huge club. We're a much bigger club than Burnley and we do have a bigger squad, but I just feel like it was a, it was an opportunity for people just to just take a dig. And it, it really, really was annoying. Um, but with, with Kolasinac and Mar- I've, I've gone a long way around answering your question here, but on marrying <laughs> Kolasinac, but no, essentially I just think you have to put the priorities of the player and of the business first before you worry about COVID essentially. Yeah, I think for me, it's one of those where, yeah, you know, on the face of it, on the surface of it, when you when you hear an Arsenal, you know, requesting a game be postponed due to a lack of available players, and then two players who could play part, uh, play a part, sorry, are, are being allowed to leave the club. Obviously, that will raise questions. But ultimately, we've known from the day that Mikel Arteta took over that in order to bring players in, players that we feel are going to take this club forward and this team forward, we'd need to get rid of a lot of the dead wood. And I think those two players, more so Ser Kolasinac than Pablo Marie, fall into that bracket. And I think Arsenal are again showing that they're backing the manager, at least with the Kolasinac situation, in agreeing to terminate his contract early and move him out the door so that Arsenal can move forward. And the left-back position is not really an issue, is it? We've got Kieran Tierney and Nuno Tavares uh, who can both play there. And then in the centre of the defence, okay, you've got Gabriel, you've got White, but you've got Holding there as well. And of course, Callum Chambers uh, remains at the club as well. So they're not two positions that leave us, you know, or that do an awful lot of damage to us in in terms of allowing those two players to go. So I'm not overly fussed about it, but obviously it's something that will wind up people who were dead against us, uh, you know, having that game on Sunday postponed. And ultimately, look, if it's not the North London derby, I don't think anyone cares. I don't think anyone bats an island. Yeah. If it was Burnley at home, would anybody be bothered about it? I would argue no. I think the fact that it is, it was the North London derby, it was the Sunday 4.30 game and people had almost built and worked their weekends around it in a lot of senses, it led to further outrage. But uh, it, just to touch on that point once again, Mike, I think you're absolutely spot on that the reaction to it was, was crazy. And I just want to bring up um, a really... <laughs> amusing Twitter exchange that I saw earlier on between uh, a talk sport commentator, Sam Matterface, uh, ITV sport commentator as well, where he said, Arsenal getting the derby postponed and then trying to offload Pablo Marie and Saad Kolasinac, delaying the recall of a youngster until after the announcement and then loaning out Maitland-Niles and Balogun looks about as good as Boris Johnson saying he didn't realise he was at a party. I mean, what is he on about? How can you compare those two situations? And I'm glad and I'm delighted that Arsblog took it upon himself uh, to respond to that. He said, yeah, except having a football game postponed within the rules isn't quite the same as government officials having a party while people were literally dying with everyone else locked down, unable to see relatives in hospital to say goodbye, is it? Like, uh, I'm glad that people are kind of, putting these people in their place, no matter how high up in the media they are, because as as you say, that there's been a clear agenda against Arsenal in the reaction to this. And what, so we're supposed to stop all transfer business because of the fact that we've had one game postponed. 
Yeah, it's nuts. I mean, I, I literally think it is, Harry, the case of because Arsenal are a big club, their, their name carries a lot of weight. If you talk about Arsenal, you're going to get a reaction. Um, and ultimately, that's, what, that's what's been happening. If, if you, if you badmouth Arsenal, if you talk about Arsenal, you're going to get a bit, of, a bit of interaction, whatever these people are, are craving. And that's exactly what's, what's transpired. And I'm glad that people are sort of sticking up for, for the club. I saw over the weekend that, um, that Ian Wright replied to a tweet from, from Gary Neville, which amused me quite a lot. Gary Neville was explaining his uh, reasoning because he called for the Premier League to reject our request to get the North London derby postponed. Um, and Ian Wright responded to him saying something like, because um, he said from now, like from now, game should all go ahead. And Wright, he was laughing at that and said, the only reason you want it to go ahead is because it's on Super Sunday. And I was just like laughing because it's like people will ultimately bend it to to suit their agenda and to suit whatever argument they're trying to they're trying to push basically. And it's just funny that there's been so much outrage about this game when literally so many clubs have, have postponed their games or requested to postpone their game. When it happens at Arsenal, it's suddenly a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's. Uh, you know what? Let's uh, just take a brief pause so you can hear this message from our sponsors, if you're listening via the audio platforms. And we're back. Chronicles of Aguna live on YouTube and, of course, on all major podcast stores. Uh, myself and Mike Stavrou talking around uh, the transfer window and kind of looking ahead to the uh, Carabao Cup semi-final second leg with Liverpool to come this Thursday. Let's take it back to transfers uh, first, Mike. Um, if I had to ask for your prediction with regards to what you think Arsenal might achieve between now and the end of the transfer window in terms of incomings, mm. what are you kind of expecting at this stage? Uh, I think at best, we can probably hope for a loan signing of a midfielder. Um, I'm not sure it's going to be the the player we all think it's going to be. I'm not sure it's going to be Arthur. I think there's that's going to be that looks like it will be a bit of a difficult one to complete just with the players wages Juventus's demands you you were saying as well you think they might want an obligation to buy not straight loan so I think maybe we might think a little bit out of the box in terms of a loan signing Vlavic I can't see happening I, I just can't I think and I was talking to my barber about this as you do Barber was like, as soon as I tell him I'm, I'm like a journalist or whatever he's like oh give me some information blah. I'm like mate I'm not like I don't have Fiorentina's director of football on my bloody, you know, speed dial. Do you know what I mean? So I'm not going to call him up and be like, what's going on? But I, I feel like, and I'm theorizing, I've, I feel like Fiorentina are not going to get a superstar like this for probably quite a while. And they will want to maximize whatever revenue they can, they can get out of it, essentially. So if they're demanding 75 million, which is what some reports have said in, in Italy. They're, they're going to want to get that. And I've, I think they'll want to get that up, up front. So I saw some things about, oh, Arsenal have offered 50 million plus Lucas Torreira. That's one of the things. I'd, I'm just not sure they're going to really go for something like that. I think these sorts of players for Fiorentina, a club like Fiorentina come around, you know, once, once in a blue moon. So they'll want to get the most money they can get. And I don't see that happening in January. Um, let no, me just no, pause no. you there for a second. Sorry, let me let me play devil's advocate because, yeah. and I I've said it before. I don't think that this deal happens this month. But his contract is due to expire at the end of next season. So 
if it's not this month, then the summer surely the last point from which they can ask for a lot of money for Dusan Vlavic and, and hopefully maximise yeah. for their sake on on the player. So would that does that change your thinking a little bit? Yeah, I think I think it will be more like it's it's more likely a summer deal because at the end of the day, summer you have more you know, of an idea where the, the club are at in terms of where they finish. You have a more idea of, of, of transfer funds. You have more idea of who's going to leave and who's going to stay. Like there's so much up in the air that I just don't think it, it will be a January deal. If it is going to happen, I think it, it will be the summer. But as you say, he'll have a year left. So maybe his, his value will drop down a little bit from now until then. But I, I can't see it. The only thing I think will push the, the value up in the summer is whether other teams become interested. Um, and whether situations at other clubs change, meaning that they ne- now need a big striker. And Vlavic is one of the you know, most highly rated young strikers in Europe. So I honestly thought there'll be a bit more of a battle than sort of like Arsenal. And I think Spurs have been interested as well. Um, but I'll, I'll be honest as well. I have sort of touted him as, as a signing I'd like to see, but I'm not 100% convinced that he is the man to, to fix all of our problems. I'm, I'm not. I've, I've watched clips of him. Um, but I just think it's impossible to tell unless you watch him week in, week out, because obviously a highlight reel can probably make me and you look good, Harry, to be honest. So no, I don't know about that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Look, and I think what you're doing there is is actually the right way to go about these things. You know, you can look at it and say, yes, I like this guy. Um, and, you know, based on what I've seen, he looks cool. But I think you should also have that bit of, understanding and, and, and an acknowledgement, I guess, of the fact that you don't watch him every single week. I think that's important. Um, and I think that too many people kind of play the expert on the basis of a few highlight reels. And I think that's the right way to go about it. But you'd hope, wouldn't you, that Arsenal, if they are uh, as interested as we're led to believe, would have done their due diligence around this. And if they're considering making an investment of that size, hopefully it's because they're convinced that he's the right man. But I mean... It's a tough one, this, because as you say, look, I agree that Fiorentina will want to get the absolute maximum. But as was pointed out in the chat, contractually, he's at his highest value today. With every day that he gets towards the end of that contract, that value slightly decreases. And so if Fiorentina want to demand top dollar, I think now's the time to do it. It's just for me. And and a lot of people have made a big deal about whether he actually wants to come to the club. Does Vlavic want to come to Arsenal? Is that where he wants to end up? I'm not sure that that's really the problem here. Do, do you think that that's the problem? Do you think that, that any hold-up here is is purely and solely on the shoulders of Dusan Vlavic because he's not sure about Arsenal? I I don't really think so. I think Arsenal is an attractive enough prospect that it wouldn't stand in the way. I think the one thing it could hinge on is he'll want to play Champions League football. And I think that the next club he joins will have to be like a Champions League club. Um, and we're sort of on the cusp of it, sort of 50-50, I would say. So I think that that plays a part in it. But if it's about him, you know, looking at a profile of club that he thinks are going in the right direction and it's sort of a, a big club in, in name and stature, although not, you know, with the big boy competing with the big boys right now, it's sort of like, it, it, it seems like a good match. It's just that whether... He's heard of of any potential interest from from a club bigger that that could stop him and say, oh, actually, they might not be interested to take me right now. But if I wait a bit, wait till the summer, 
and and a deal could be done. But ultimately, I think you're right in the sense that his sort of preference of club can only hold so much weight. If the club want to sort of get rid of him um, and they sort of accept an, an offer that they think is suitable, I think it, it's probably going to happen anyway. Um, but I don't think he's that against Arsenal that he'd, you know, basically like stop the move happening. No. Yeah, and and that's what I, I believe as well. I think that, as I've said before, I think for Dusan Vlavic, it's very much now he needs to decide what the next best move is in his career. And that doesn't always mean that it's his final move. That doesn't mean that Arsenal is where he wants to be for the rest of his career. But similarly, and I always use this example, similarly to the way Erling Haaland did it, you're at a club right now where you who you've outgrown. I'm sorry, Fiorentina, wonderful football club, lots of history, uh, one of my favourite clubs in Italy. But they've, you know, they're, they're not competing at the level at which Dusan Vlavic wants to be. Arsenal are moving in the right direction, but just the fact that Arsenal are in the Premier League alone means there'll be more spotlight, more coverage, more interest in how Dusan Vlavic progresses. And ultimately, I think that would really rise his stock. If he came to the Premier League and started firing in goals for Arsenal, then all of a sudden you're talking about a £70 million striker being a £150 million striker. And and there will be no shortage of suitors further down the line. And I think he's young enough to, to be smart about the next move he makes as opposed to going for that big jump immediately. Because we've seen players make that jump in the past and it's not always worked out. So, yeah. From what I've read and, and what I've heard and, and things I've, I've sort of been told, I think he's a smart lad. I think he's a lad with his head screwed on. Um, but And I'll get your thought on this, uh, Mike. I'll tell you what, I, I did, certainly didn't think he was waving goodbye to the Fiorentina fans yesterday, which has <laughs> been uh, published uh, and uh, all over the place and sort of uh, splashed across social media. Yeah, I mean, that is one thing I do hate about the transfer window. Like, you know, when Arsenal fans go to the extent of like tracking flights to like try and see if someone's like imminent or like stalking Instagram for like any single like post about about transfers or oh, oh like he's he's he took it off his bio. Wearing... He took the club off his bio quick. Yeah, he took the club off his bio or he like his, his dog was wearing like a red jumper or something like that. Like <laughs> it, it literally could be anything that Arsenal fans like grab onto. And that I think is the worst part of the the transfer window it's just like this constant 24 hour cycle of shit essentially and it's just like trying to like pick out something desperately that you that that you can get so no i don't think he was saying bye at all no no agreed and just while we were talking arsenal have confirmed that sad kalasinac has left the club by mutual consent so confirmation that his contract has been terminated oh, wow. uh, just to bring you up to speed on the club's announcement. The 28-year-old defender who joined us from German side Schalke in 2017 has become a free agent with his contract being terminated with immediate effect and he's joined the French Ligue 1 side Olympic Marseille. Um, looking back on Sayer Kolasinac's time as an Arsenal player, what will be your, what will be your kind of thought? that When someone says to you years down the line, Sayer Kalasinac. How will you remember him, I guess, is what I'm trying to ask. I don't think he'll quite go into the like category of Andre Santos's, but I'd say he's like the, the level above slightly. I don't think he's going to be a memorable one, Harry. I, we, we brought him in on a free transfer, didn't we? I think from, from Schalke. Um, so it was never really like a big 
like you know <laughs> investment really and then Tierney came in not long after so I don't know he's been all right to, to, to be fair like at, at times when he was like at the peak of his power he was exciting to watch like he was a bit of a bulldozer um he could get down the wing like if you if you got him like one-on-one and he was like in full flow so you're gonna struggle to find a defender that could that could stop him on his day um but it was just I guess that consistency um when we had to see him play at center back that wasn't particularly fun for any Arsenal fans I didn't, I didn't really I didn't really enjoy that uh he just didn't really have the sort of defensive nous that 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 you need um but I wouldn't say he's the worst sign in the world I, like he's not for me as I say like there of Andre Santos or or people like that but yeah I don't know I reckon I'll forget about him in about a year I'll be like Sir Kolasinac he was at Arsenal was he but probably yeah, yeah. I think he's one of those who had some decent moments. I think he was okay under Wenger uh, in in an attacking sense. And I think he had a spell where he was quite good in an attacking sense under Unai Emery. But I think there have always been question marks about him as a defender. Um, and, and yeah, I guess, you know, we're going to remember, say, Kolasinac, we're talking about him like he's passed away. I don't know why. <laughs> but I guess what Such I'm trying to say tribute. is, we, yeah, we're going to remember, say, Kolasinac, for I think the the kind of incident with Messi Ursil more than yeah. what he actually did on the pitch. I just saw someone um, bring that up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a there's a few people bringing it up. I mean, let's let's get some some reaction from the chat. Uh, BX Gunner says bumbling left back uh, into Yanan will remember him as crap. Uh, some bloke says uh, Bosnian Santos. Amo says he'll remember him defending Ozil. Um Mikey says 100k a week off the salary bill. Uh, Halor says Sayad, he came, he left, we forgot him. Uh, Dawal will remember him as uh, the guy who fought the robbers. Mint says as a brawler, Ozil's bodyguard. Uh, lots of people making that point about the wages in it. Although, you know, I said earlier on today that we shouldn't be too obsessed with um, with sort of the finances all the time. It, it's obviously, it frees up money, doesn't it, for Arsenal to now go and make those yeah. moves. And I think what some people struggle with is this idea that it's, you know, if you get someone out today, it means you can bring someone in tomorrow when actually a lot yeah. of the time you've got to get that player off your wage bill, move them on before you can then actually make a concrete move for somebody else. And freeing up a hundred K a week is quite significant in terms of us looking to strengthen a, in the striker area, that's a hundred K a week. You can chuck on top of someone's salary that you're looking at or in the midfield as well. It's a lot of money, isn't it, Mike? I'm just wondering, Harry, I don't know if you know this, but does it say anything in the statement about whether um, we've essentially paid up the rest of his contract or he's agreed to just terminate it? Because it doesn't we did say it. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see because there's been times, obviously, like with, with previous players, like last January, we've got rid of a load of players where we had to pay up their contracts. But Willian decided to leave and basically forgo his, his money, which was a huge thing, actually, looking back, like, the guy was on quite a lot of money, Willian, and he, you know, willingly gave up all of that cash just because he wanted to get a move away. Um, but it'll be interesting to see because I guess if the club have decided to pay him up, it's money off the wage bill, but not money off the wage bill until after his contract would have been finished, yeah, which is point. which is in the summer. So it'll be interesting to to see. But either way, it was a player that we had to move on from. And uh, that money in the future will be will be used to put towards a, a better player. But 
ultimately this is just one of the last players i think harry that have been of the old era that that we needed to get rid of like as i say last january it was i think socrates mustafi and ozil um and this the season before it was a it was a bit more deadwood and i think there's only in my mind i don't know, be interesting to see about you but there's only a few more that we currently own that i think we need to get rid of until like this is really like a, a brand new squad essentially i think Gwenduzi and Lucas Torreira, who are both on loan, I think once they go, this will pretty much be mostly Arteta's squad or at least players that Arteta will 100% want there and look towards the future. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And um, just going back to that point about what it means in terms of how the contract's been terminated, um, we don't know. Uh, I just had a quick glance at it again. And and obviously, I, I don't think that's something that the club would necessarily want to kind yeah. of publicise. But... Um, it is interesting because I always think in my mind, and, and obviously I don't know this, I'm, I'm kind of speculating, but when I think about what kind of agreement may be in place here between Colas and Action Arsenal, what initially springs to mind is something whereby Arsenal say, we'll pay up half of what you're owed for the remainder of your contract in exchange for releasing you from it early so that you can join your new club. Because that deal from Marseille might not be on the table come the summer. So we're kind of almost asking you to, I guess, forego half of that money so that you can get your move, but then we only have to pay half as well. There's got to be benefit yeah. to both sides, yeah, yeah. if you get what I'm saying. Don't know the exact intricacies of it, but that's what I would imagine is the case. Something along those lines anyway. Uh, just going back to the live chat box, a uh, big thank you to Cliff uh, for your very kind super chat donation. We had another one as well. Uh, earlier on from Jack Sparrow. So thank you, Jack. Uh, really, really appreciate that as well. Uh, Cliff has submitted a question. He says, or more of a statement, mate, we ain't getting the Serbian geezer, Dusan Vlavic. Uh, get Wijnaldum on loan and put him next to Thomas Partey. Strengthen the middle for a feasible run at the top four. Mike, wijnaldum has been talked about a lot during this transfer window. Is he somebody that you'd be uh, tapping up at the moment? I, I absolutely think so. I, if if it was up to me, I would go for Wijnaldum over Artur. If it was sort of similar costings in terms of wages, which I'm not sure. I think Wijnaldum's probably on quite a bit of money at PSG. Because um, I think he left Liverpool on a, on a free transfer, I think. Could be wrong there. But um, yeah, yeah, I think if, if, if sort of finances weren't a factor, I would say like in terms of the better player, I think, or more suited to us, I think Wijnaldum, he's Premier League proven... He was an important player for Liverpool, even though he didn't really, you know, he was never the one that sort of took the limelight, but he was always so consistent and so solid in, in the middle of the park. I think he'd be a great a great addition. I know, obviously, it's a few years later now and he's a few years older, but I just think he's been a bit unlucky at PSG. He's got a lot of competition in, in that team, you know. It's, it's a superstar team, like the sort of like PSG Galacticos almost. Um, and it's, you know, the competition is, is crazy. Um, but... It's interesting with Wijnaldum because Klopp basically turned him into like an all-action midfielder. But when he was at Newcastle, he was more of like an attacking midfielder, wasn't he? But in terms of mm. what we need right now, we need his sort of energy midfielder, the box-to-box nature, the someone to to partner party. And if you put those two, I think Cliff's 100% spot. And if you put party next to Wijnaldum in a big game, I think you'd be looking quite strong. And he'd be a good sort of, you know, player for... To, to step in for Xhaka or to step in for Thomas if, if he doesn't play. So, yeah, I don't 
I don't really see any negatives in that deal apart from what PSG or he would demand for a for a sort of wages. Yeah, and and according to the Telegraph, Arsenal are, and I quote, right at the front of the queue for Genie Wijnaldum. Um, it's it's one that's been I think mentioned throughout the window, but there's never really been that traction around that story. Not in comparison to the links to Artur, for example. Uh, but I agree with you. He's a player I'd I'd be quite happy to see coming through the door. Um, as you say, that Premier League experience is is a factor. Um, I, I, I'm not sure that he's at his best in terms of the level that he left Liverpool at. But yeah. you know him. At 75%, I still think he's a lot better than a lot of options that are available to us. And I guess the loan thing, you know, obviously as a fan, in an ideal world, you don't want to see loan deals. You want to see players signed, coming in through the door um, that are going to be there for, for the long haul. But in a situation like this where Arsenal have a clear strategy and that strategy is to buy young, developing players, develop some of our own in-house products as well, Actually, a loan could be the smartest way to go to look at that, you know, and, and that way you're plugging a hole, but you're plugging it without huge financial risk over a mm. long period of time. Because in the past, we've signed Pablo Marie. Good example, right? We initially loaned him, but we had that deal in place to then sign him. And as a consequence of, of the fact that we did have a deal in place to sign him on a permanent, we had to give the guy a four year contract. And I think everybody knew that this was not a deal that we wanted to to see or, or he wasn't a player that we wanted to see at the forefront of things for four years. But sometimes as a club to get someone in the door, you've got to give them what they want. Mm. And I think that's why a loan, albeit more difficult sometimes to complete, is is the way to go if you're only looking to plug holes. Yeah, I think Cedric as well, I'll put into that category. I know you think Cedric's all right, Harry, and you, you, know, you sort of love him a bit. I don't really know why. You're always, you're always talking about he's always talking about Cedric going forward for some reason. Whenever I talk about Cedric, he's like, "Yeah, but he's really good going forward." Um, <laughs> yeah, I I would put him in the same category as 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 Mary. I don't really think he's good enough, and I think we got sort of hamstrung a little bit because he was similar, wasn't he? We signed him on loan, and then we ended up putting him on a sort of long term contract, and it sort of came out of nowhere. And we were sort of like, "Oh, how's that happened?" He's not really been that great or slash hardy played for us, but and another one where. You don't, yeah, as you say, you don't want to be so intent for someone to come on loan that you offer them something potentially for the future. What you want from a loan signing is exactly what happened with Odegaard. Someone who is young has not necessarily had the opportunities in a sort of falling down the, the pecking order at his club with a point to prove. Because that's that that's ultimately you you want the the, the loan to be motivation on, on both sides for for you as a player should want to should want to prove by coming on loan i am good enough to to basically land here eventually with danny ceballos i didn't really ever feel like he was going to end up as an arsenal player at any point during his two-year loan it just never felt like it he sort of felt like he was coming here because he wasn't really going to play at real madrid and you know he was sort of like Maybe maybe Real Madrid were thinking, well, we want to try and put him in the in the shop window to see who will be interested, because they weren't really sure about whether he was going to fit into their team long term. Hasn't really worked out for him there, has it? Since, um, but essentially, what you want is someone like Odegaard, who's a relatively no risk, low risk signing, is not going to cost you loads of money, and someone with with bags of potential. I'm not sure. And that, that completely contradicts what, what I said about Wijnaldum. But I think you sort of got to look at it at 
from two two different spectrums essentially either young player lots of potential who you could potentially buy or top class player you know virginal world world class in terms of what wijnaldum maybe not in this current state but a load of quality who can help you get that extra push to the to the top four and you you, you would say that either or whether one leads to a, to a permanent deal with the younger player or one leads you to the top four it's got to have the sort of end goal that that you wanted whereas someone like Ceballos, uh kim kalstrom denis suarez it never really felt at the time like anything was was really going to happen at the end of it did it yeah no completely agree completely agree and it, it, going back to that Sabios case, that was very much the case of someone who only had eyes for Real Madrid and was almost using us as a bit of a yeah. stepping stone to show himself. But I guess he was clear about that from the start and we can't really have any complaints about it. He never yeah. pretended that that wasn't the case. You know, he was quite open and upfront and honest about that. Um, let's get some of your questions in the live chat for the last sort of 10, 12 minutes or so of the show get them in let us know what you want us to talk about uh, any questions that you might have with anything relating to the arsenal throw them in um we'd love to hear from you uh, just a quick reminder check out our current sponsors athletic greens in the link in the description below head over to athleticgreens.com slash 90 min uh, get involved fantastic product uh so please do check it out also Hit the like button. What on earth is going on? There's nearly 400 of you live with us right now on the YouTube channel. We've only got 89 likes on the board. There's no on, reason guys. why we shouldn't have upwards of 150 likes by the time this show ends. So please do hit the like button. I know I say it all the time. I hate saying it, but it really, really does help in terms of getting the videos and the channel out to as many people as possible. Uh, let's take this one from uh, Sports Genius. He says, Harry, do you have any idea when these games are going to be made up? Wouldn't it be a good idea to make them up during the January break? Honestly, I have no idea um, when they're planning to make these games up. I hope it's not at the end of the season. Um, I, I, I'm not sure that the Premier League will want to extend the season. I think that it kind of just... You know, we've been really disrupted by, obviously, the pandemic. You know, I'm talking about the football calendar in general. And I think there's this, um, I guess, desire from the powers that be to get the, the calendar back on track so that we don't have any delays, so that the players can get their full summer break before the new season starts, etc., etc. So I'd imagine that they're going to try and shoehorn these games in in some capacity in midweek now remember for Arsenal there's only a couple of games that need rescheduling we of course missed out on that game against Wolves just after Christmas and we've missed out on the North London derby but for Arsenal and I know you know it, it, I haven't looked at the other team's fixtures obviously if we don't make the Carabao Cup final we only play twice in February so there feels like there is time and space to get these games in but of course it's got to marry up with the other team's commitments as well What's your gut feel on this, Mike? Do you think that the season will be extended or do you think that they'll do whatever they can to cram it all in in the periods of which it's meant to be? No, it's, it's felt from the beginning that the Premier League haven't wanted the, the season to be extended. They're, it seems like they're really against it because if I I think otherwise, they, they would have done a circuit break over Christmas and all, all these mm. games that would have been postponed would have, wouldn't have had to be postponed. They'd be pushed back. Um, players could... You know, if if they stuck by the rules, could have stayed could have stayed COVID free, um, and it it might have even been easier. But no, it, it definitely feels to me like the the Premier League are insistent on keeping it within the the current time frame. What I think for Arsenal 
in the North London derby. I'm not sure about Wolves, um, but it could be similar because ultimately we're both teams without Europe. So a midweek game shouldn't really be that difficult to sort of organise um, on a week where there are Champions League or Europa League or Conference League fixtures. I feel like that could probably be done. So I'm not sure when it will happen, but I imagine, I think the next set of Champions League games are in February. So maybe we might see that then, but yeah, I did. I did yeah. read that. I did read somewhere that the the champion because at the moment the Champions League have this deal right where there's no Premier League is not allowed. Premier League games are not allowed to take place on Champions League nights. There's like some kind of blocker where they mm. they don't allow it to happen because it detracts from their audience. But I think I read and I'll have to check this out. But I think I read somewhere that the Champions League or UEFA were happy for that to be undone temporarily, so that. Um, so that these games that had, had, had fallen victim to the pandemic could take place. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm hoping so because I, I want it to happen sooner rather than later. Like, I don't want uh, a North London derby to be in May, or and I don't want it to be because it, it it could really like mess things up. Like, imagine it's like essentially like a top four decider. It would be great for the neutral, but it's it's not great for us. No, like not at all. <laughs> you 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 want it to be within your control and you don't want it to be at a time where it's do or die you want it to be at a time where if you lose or it it, it doesn't quite go your way you can still recover from it so i'm really hoping that it's yeah about, about february would be fair but it is like my, my gut reaction when when all this when the postponement happened i, I was upset like i, I did want to watch the north london derby i i thought even though we did have injuries and i was worried about you know, who was going to play in midfield next to Lokonga. I was genuinely worried about that. I still wanted to see our team play because when when do you never not, when do you want a game to be postponed? I don't know. Some yeah. some people were telling me that, that they were happy it was postponed, but personally, I wanted to play the fixture because I felt like even though we would have been tired from Liverpool, what the sort of commitment and, you know, what we saw on the pitch from that game, I think really would have galvanised us. And I, I was, you know, I thought we could have got a result there. So, I'm hoping that that sort of next time around the the circumstances will be will be favourable to us and and we'll see. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, let's take some more of your questions. Lots of Vlavic stuff uh, coming up. We've we've spent a lot of time on Vlavic as we seem to do on every episode at the moment. Uh, so I don't want to go uh, too far down that rabbit hole because I feel like we'd be repeating ourselves. Um, Essential Departures has given our immediate need. Why aren't we going in for Tielemans? He's Premier League proven and can hit the ground running. And this is interesting because Brendan Rodgers didn't rule out the possibility of Tielemans moving on because he understands that the contract situation is what it is. Is he somebody, Mike, that you believe is worth breaking the bank for? Um, I think I like Tielemans, but when I think about what we what we sort of need... I'm not 100% sure. Like, I still think if, if we want to play uh, Mikhail Arteta's high-octane football that, that we've played at several times a season against Man City, I still feel like we need someone who's slightly more athletic than Tielemans. I think he's a great, great technician, but I'm not really sure about him in sort of like athleticism, physical. I know he's quite strong, but pace-wise, acceleration-wise, I'm not 100% sure. I think he's a, he's a great footballer. And he's, you know, got great technique, scored some great goals and he could maybe chip in. But I guess it depends. If we're sort of insistent on playing with a 4-2-3-1 and a midfield pivot, 
I would lean towards no. If we're going to move to a four-three-three, I think he's a great number eight. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm sort of mixed because I, I I do really like him. Like I want to put that across. I do think he's he's a great player, but I'm not 100% sure he's exactly who I'd choose as a sort of midfield partner for party who I think you know that those two are going to be the sort of long term the one who comes in after Xhaka yeah I I shared a lot of that uh sentiment I I like Yuri Tielemans I think he's a good player I think he gives you so much as an attacking force but also is is quite dogged and quite hard working as well in the midfield so I I agree with you he's not a defensive midfielder he's not an out and out number 10 he's a he's in a He's a central midfielder and there's not that many of them nowadays. I think in recent years, we've kind of seen that kind of divide get bigger between defensive midfielders and attacking midfielders when actually sometimes what you need is a bit of both. And um, yeah, he's a player I really like. The problem is with somebody like Yuri Tillemans is when you're trying to take players away, whatever their contract situation is, from, um, from clubs that you're supposed to be in direct competition with, you're going to have to pay way over the top. And therefore you have to be sure, don't you, that that player is, is the right one. And he, and he, mm. and, and be sure that you want to spend that kind of money. So that's always my reservation when signing from a rival. I think that sometimes we obsess over bringing in players that we watch week in, week out because, you know, they play for clubs in the Premier League when actually there's a lot of talent out there that can be acquired much easier uh, than, than somebody like Yuri Tillemans. Although, he is a player that I really, really like. Uh, we'll take one final question uh, before we wrap up. Just quickly going back to the theme of, of the postponements. Rahul makes a good point. Do you think the Premier League will put a cap on the number of matches that can be postponed? Interesting this, because if I bring up the Premier League table and we take a quick glance at it, you'll see that there's some clubs who uh, you know have had a lot more postponements than others. And when I say that, I'm talking about Burnley in particular. Burnley, yeah. Burnley have only played, and I'll just bring this up to confirm it, but I think Burnley have only played, yeah, 17 games. <sighs> 17 games, which means they're four games behind Norwich, who are also in the drop zone alongside them. This is madness, but I guess Burnley will argue, well, we were impacted, we were affected. And there's people even talking about the fact that they might try and get the game against us on Sunday called off from now. I mean, I I think it's going to happen, Harry. I really do. Like, just in in terms of, I don't remember when the last time Burnley actually played. So, it's gonna it's gonna be a difficult one. Um, Leicester are much and, better, mind you. Eighteen games. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I I I really like. We're talking about having two fixtures uh, rearranged. They've got what four at the moment? Five because their their game. I think they're meant to be playing tonight again against Watford. Yep. Um, so that's gonna so that's five games that are gonna have to be rearranged and they're gonna have to be midweek games probably. So well you you, you gotta say the close that's gonna be the closest thing they're gonna get to to tasting something like a European journey, I guess, isn't it? <laughs> European having campaign, to play midweek, yeah. yeah, having to play Wednesday. Bless them, Burnley. Now nah, there is there look, I, I admire Burnley because the the work that Sean Dyche has done. <laughs> you you don't. No, I just think them. that with I, I just think with with it with the size it, it's more Sean Dyche I think because I think for for a manager to stay committed to to a club and 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 keep them up every year when the budget is so low the sort of players that that they bring I, I know they've got Maxwell Corney but in general that the players that they've brought in have not been of the highest quality they just sold their best striker to Newcastle while they're in the relegation fight 
Um, so that that tells you about where where the club are at. But yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be an absolute nightmare for them to try and rearrange these games. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, just a quick one. We are just 13 likes away from hitting that 150 target. So if you haven't done so already, please do smash the like button. Uh, we really, really do appreciate it. If you're listening via the audio, please do leave us a review as well. Um, Mike, before we go, let people know uh, how they can keep up to date with your excellent work and where they can find you. Yeah, so I'm on Twitter uh, at Mike underscore Stavery. I post like links to my articles for Metro and various other podcasts and 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 stuff that I do. Um, I just want to give a shout out because uh, Harry's been helping me with this as well. But my other podcast called Rosehead um, has been nominated at the uh, Sports Podcast Awards, uh, which is going to take place soon. I think in the next couple of months um, in the sports comedy category. It's not me. That's a comedian. Let me just say, I'm, I do it with a comedian and a presenter. They provide the laughs. I provide He's some a bit sort of a laugh, old Mike. I, t- I tell you, Mike, <laughs> you're underselling yourself. You're, nah, mate, you're a bit of a laugh. Um, so yeah, so yeah, uh, go and go and search it. It might be your thing. It's a little bit different to what we do here. It's a bit of like a bit of a laugh, um, but it's still football related. So you never know. Yeah, please do check it out. I'm going to get Mike to give me the links uh, for you to vote for the podcast and we'll drop that in the description as well. So please do get involved there. We'll be back very, very soon with more Arsenal and football related content. If you're tuning in to Brighton versus Chelsea uh, this evening and you fancy some alternative commentary, you can find my commentary coming through uh, in the UK on the Flash Score app if you fancy uh, jumping onto that. So I'll be live from 5 to 8 UK time this evening. We'll be back very, very soon with more. Until next time, take care. Goodbye. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.